SAFM values your views. Be an active citizen. SAPC Education, together with the Department of Basic Education, would like to congratulate the matric class of 2021. You have triumphed despite difficult times. Good luck with your future endeavors. SABC Education, enriching minds, enriching lives. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Well, let me invite then onto the show for our next conversation, uh, Dr. Leslie Bamford. She's the Acting Chief Director for Child Health in the National Department of Health. Uh, Dr. Bamford, good morning to you. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Uh, good morning and good morning to the listeners. So one of the things that we're going to be doing, of course, is reflecting on where we are in as far as government's uh, response to the COVID-19 pandemic is concerned. And, it, you know, one of the big questions, Dr. Bamford, that has been taking place is around the uh, national state of disaster and some of the reasons that are behind why we still have the state of of disaster in place from the perspective of an official like yourself in uh, in the department um the reasons that 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 you give for for the approach that is currently being taken currently so thank you for the question uh, my understanding is that um we are moving, uh, government is moving uh, towards a situation where uh, the national state of disaster can be lifted. I think overall we we know um, that although uh, COVID uh, is not going to disappear and is likely uh, to be with us, uh, certainly in the short to, to medium term, uh, we really need to work towards uh, returning to uh, I think the, the, the phrase is the new normal and opening up uh, society and, and the economy. So, so part of that process needs to be to uh, lift the uh, national state of disaster. Um, however, in order to do that, uh, there are some other uh, regulations and directives which will need to be um, amended uh, to make sure that that even once the um, state of disaster uh, is lifted, uh, that we we do have um, the the necessary uh, regulations and directives to be able to deal with um, outbreaks or waves that might that might still occur. Uh, so my understanding is that that uh, process is underway uh, and will be unfolding uh, in the coming weeks and months. So the process of lawmaking in and of itself uh, can be quite long, depending on what is being amended or what the uh, what new legislation is is being introduced. So does that mean that as things stand, um, South Africans should anticipate that the the state of 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 disaster may well remain in place? And I'm asking this, you know, just in 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 light of the changes that you say need to be in place before it can be lifted? So I don't think we um, fully understand the exact uh, time frame, um, and they will to some extent uh, depend on uh, how the uh, number of infections uh, unfolds, whether we do uh, experience um, um, any new waves. 
Uh, but my understanding is that uh, we are looking at, uh, as, as, as I talk about weeks or, or more likely uh, months, um, and that, as I say, that, that process uh, is, uh, has been uh, set in motion uh, and that um, more details will become um, available in the weeks and months ahead. What happens in the interim? We're talking about a phase for our country and perhaps the rest of the world where we are now effectively living with the virus. And there's an argument that has been made uh, that says, well, we had, you know, all of these big events that are politically linked, especially going into the, the, the local government elections. Crowds were able to gather. Why would things like stadiums not be reopened or big events uh, be reopened to the public? What are some of the concerns from a public health perspective that prevent that from happening? So I think there, there are a number of concerns. Um, so so we've just... Would, Currently, uh, coming out of the fourth wave, uh, not fully out of the fourth wave, but certainly uh, coming out of that wave. Um, so we, I think it's true to say that we got off quite lightly uh, with the Omicron uh, variant. Um, it was uh, extremely uh, transmissible, um, but uh, we did see a delinking of uh, admissions and deaths from the number of cases. So, so disease caused by uh, Omicron seems to be uh, milder than with some of the previous variants. Of course, this is influenced uh, by the fact that uh, we do have more people in South Africa who are now immune. Uh, so they are protected from the disease, uh, both uh, through vaccination um, and through uh, natural infection in, in some cases. Uh, it is the nature of uh, the coronavirus to um, mutate, uh, and we cannot predict what will happen next and if and when uh, there would be um, a new variant. Um, and so uh, because of that um, uncertainty, we have to proceed with uh, caution uh, and uh, watch and wait. Um, as I've indicated I think South Africa, like other countries, we are um, moving towards a situation where we uh, learn to live with the virus. Uh, but that is not necessarily um, a smooth uh, road towards that uh, point where we uh, are, are able to, to be confident that we um, have returned to some level of normality, but are nevertheless uh, still in a position uh, to deal with outbreaks and possible uh, further waves um, of the coronavirus. One of the positions, including that of Professor of Vaccinology at Wits University, uh, Professor Shabir Madi, is uh, you know an assessment that says by now the majority of South Africans have already contracted COVID-19 that about 70% of South Africans have some level of protection against COVID-19, whether vaccinated or unvaccinated, due to the predictions of how widespread um, the virus has been in the country. And therefore, it is no longer rational to keep a state of disaster in place based on the fact that 
you know, we are trying to protect uh, South Africans as much as possible? So I think broadly there is there is agreement with, with that statement, um, and that is why, um, as I've indicated, uh, the process of being able to uh, lift the state of emergency, uh, state of disaster, uh, that process um, those has started. Uh, however, that's not necessarily something that that can happen um, overnight. Uh, we do also have to uh, bear in mind, as I indicated, that there may be a new variant that that um, emerge, um, and and so uh, we need to uh, maintain our uh, state of readiness to uh, deal with a possible uh, emergence of new variants um, and uh, possible ways that may be associated with emergence of those uh, variants. Uh, the levels of, of immunity. Um, are against the uh, current uh, variant, uh, and so that may change uh, as we see a new uh, variant emerging. And, and I think that's an, that's an important message, um, that although we are saying that we, we need to uh, learn to live with the virus, we can be consi uh, considering lifting the uh, state of disaster, that... Uh, we do need to, it does not mean that the risk, uh, certainly to individuals of severe infection and death, uh, has disappeared. Uh, and therefore, we do need to continue to have some level of uh, restrictions. We do need to be continuing to ensure that people are uh, protected through uh, vaccination um, because uh, all of these things. Um, are part of the process of uh, returning to some kind of normality. Uh, but, but as I indicated, it's certainly not something that we can uh, implement um, immediately. Uh, it needs to be uh, a process that is carefully managed and monitored over time. Mm. So, so, so then I'm trying to understand you know, fully what you're saying. So you're saying part of the reason why um, the, the state of disaster remains in place would be primarily based on the need for this legislation and not so much um, the potential health risk to South Africans right now in terms of the context of where we are in this moment. So some of the, uh, some of the ability for us to uh, manage the outbreak, manage uh, the waves, uh, is uh, relies on the um, the regulations um, that fall under that were promulgated uh, under the national uh, state of disaster. So, so what what we're saying is that is that as we lift those uh, regulations, we do need to make sure uh, that other regulations and systems are in place uh, to to manage uh, possible outbreaks and waves. So, so it's moving to uh, a lower level uh, of control, uh, but nevertheless, uh, those, uh, those uh, measures uh, do need to be uh, put uh, available uh, so that they can, uh, in public health, 
uh, regulations need to be in place uh, in order to ensure that we uh, can manage uh, any further outbreaks and uh, possible waves. We're in conversation with Dr. Leslie Bamford. She's the Acting Chief Director for Child Health in the National Department of Health. And we're discussing then why it is that the state of disaster in the country remains in place, but also uh, trying to look forward at least to the first half of the year. What are the likely responses to the COVID-19 pandemic? And when can we be given this full opportunity to live with COVID-19, to live with the virus, as has been consistently said. Uh, and, and you would have noted the, the multiple criticisms for the fact that the state of disaster remains in place. And in fact, many questioning if, in fact, there is any rationality uh, to this decision. Uh, we'll talk about then the impending fifth wave, what that's likely uh, to look like a little later on this year as we get ready as we enter the winter months of, of the year. Of course, you're more than welcome to be part of the conversation. The number to dial 011-714-2006 on the uh, WhatsApp line 0614-104-107. It's 10.30. Luanda has your headlines. Conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. Kathy Motlatana on SAFM. We continue the conversation on the talking point with Dr. Leslie Bamford, the Acting Chief Director for Child Health in the National Department of Health. So, Dr. Bamford, one of the difficulties, of course, that you as a department are facing is the low take-up of vaccination. So you still have about uh, around 40% of the adult population that has been vaccinated against COVID-19. There hasn't been a significant uptick in in the take-up of of vaccines lately. How are you going to try and and turn uh, people's attitudes towards being vaccinated around? So you you are correct. Um, Approximately uh, 45% of adults in South Africa have had at least one dose of the vaccine, uh, and approximately 40% are are fully vaccinated. So we know that... um, over the festive season, many of our uh, vaccination uh, sites, uh, some of them were closed. Um, and this also coincided with, um, I think, people becoming very uh, complacent and feeling perhaps that um, we've seen the end um, of uh, severe disease um, associated with uh, COVID infection. Um, and, and of course, that is not uh, necessarily the case, even as we uh, come out of the uh, fourth wave, uh, it is extremely important that uh, people do protect themselves uh, from developing a particularly severe infection. Uh, and the best way to do that uh, is to uh, be vaccinated. Uh, we will be uh, relaunching uh, the vaccination uh, program uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, we will continue to target uh, people who are most vulnerable. Uh, those uh, over 60 60 years and older. Um, We will also, um, however, we know that we need to uh, reach uh, more young people. Uh, Many young people have come forward and been vaccinated, but because they uh, form such a large proportion of the population, 
the coverage in, in that group uh, remain uh, less uh, lower than, than it should be. Um, and whilst we know that young people are less uh, vulnerable uh, to severe COVID infection, uh, we have uh, increasingly seen as we've moved through the wave that a higher proportion of younger people uh, have been uh, infected and have been amongst those who have uh, been hospitalized and who have, in fact, uh, died from uh, COVID-19. Mm. Uh, during the year, we will also uh, be looking at uh, making sure that uh, vaccination becomes part of uh, our routine health services that we uh, deliver. Um, but that will, of course, uh, so we will be providing uh, vaccination in our uh, primary health care facilities, our clinics, our hospitals. Uh, but, of course, that will also need to be uh, supplemented by uh, outreach services, uh, which aim to take vaccinations um, as close to uh, people and communities as possible. Mm. Of course, there are people who will also be looking at, you know, the analogy of the, uh, you know, the majority of those in the country already having contracted COVID-19 and, and having some kind of immunity. Uh, they'll be looking at that as a reason to justify why they shouldn't get vaccinated. So it, it certainly is true that people do uh, are protected through um, natural uh, infection. Um, however, the, the best protection uh, is certainly provided uh, by vaccination. Uh, and we also know that uh, protection, uh, will it be from vaccination, but also from natural infection, uh, wanes over time. Um, and so uh, people, uh, even who have had uh, COVID uh, in the past, uh, do are at risk um, of uh, becoming reinfected uh, and contracting a severe disease. And, and really the, the best way for people to protect themselves uh, is to be vaccinated, uh, whether that be um, the priming schedule, so their uh, initial uh, vaccination, or whether that be uh, through booster doses. So as you know, uh, booster doses are now available. Uh, people who are vaccinated with Pfizer can uh, receive a booster dose six months after their second dose. Uh, and people who were vaccinated with the uh, J&J vaccine are eligible for a booster uh, two months uh, after their uh, initial dose. Uh, and, and those timeframes are, are based on the fact that, that we know that uh, immunity uh, wanes um, and it is uh, really in people's best interest to uh, receive those um, booster doses. Okay. Uh, let, let me quickly take Makosonke, uh, rather. You're calling us from Jabulani. Good morning, Makosonke. Good morning, Kathy. How are you? I'm well, thank you, sir. And to your guest as well. Um, Kathy, I just want to say that um, uh, um, the government, private sector and civil society, they need to come in account in a sense that um, they fail to unite and deal with this pandemic. Uh, uh, I mean, um, um, if we look at it, um, if, if, if they were united, we would have, they, they, they would have had the capacity to, to, they would have the resources to build the capacity that would accommodate 
um, the cases of COVID-19. But now they fail to do that. Um, and when you look at it, the government cannot afford to build capacity on its own. But if um, a, a civil society and, and, and public sector came on board and, and they worked together with the government to build a capacity, because, if you, I mean, we had high recovery rate. You understand what I'm saying? That suggests that um, we, are, we are able to actually deal with COVID-19. You know, we are, we are able to put it under control. But now um, um, uh, uh, um, that was ignored. And then now we have to be scapegoats in terms of now we have to vaccinate. So for me, it's like, okay, we failed to do what we're supposed to do. Now, the next best thing, let's vaccinate people. You understand? For me, I think that they, 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 they really need to, um, they really need to come in account at another day. And people died out of fear. They mustn't say people were killed by COVID-19 and what, what, whatever. COVID-19, um, uh, this virus, it's not a deadly virus. If people were dropping down death, then, then we would say it is, a, it is, it is um, uh, 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 um, a deadly disease. But it's not a deadly disease. People get sick, people get admitted in the hospital. People are killed by depression out of fear. And why? that's why we had these cases of people who passed on. Why currently we're not having high people passing on? Because now people have adjusted to the, to the disease. People have built a, a mental capacity around the disease. So please, we are not fools. Can we please deal with this thing correctly? So if we want to talk about COVID-19, these three spheres that are spoken about, they must come together and let's deal with this matter. Thank you. Okay. All, all right, Makosonke. Thanks for that. Um, Dr. Bamford, I'm going to give you a chance to respond to him shortly. Before we do that, however, let me quickly take Bramoro in bloom. Bramoro, good morning. Good morning, ma'am. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Bramoro. Go for it. Thank you. First question, why are GPs, general practitioners, not being allowed to vaccinate when we visit them? Because most of us, we make use of their service. It's better for them to vaccinate us instead of me going to a GP, then I have to go join a queue in another government facility or centre just to get a shot. So, so, so Bramoro, just, just so that we're clear, you want to know why not all GPs have been yes, given the green light to vaccinate because obviously uh, a lot of the the, the, the vaccinations are also admis- administered by by general practice practitioners. Yes, please. Yes, okay. please. That is the first question. Okay. And then secondly, um, after I'm vaccinated, why do I have to still test for COVID, especially when I'm leaving the country or if I have to do something, especially maybe if you're going to work. If I'm vaccinated and there's an outbreak or cluster outbreak, I'm not supposed to go test for it again. It's just waste of money from my end. If someone who, are, who is unvaccinated, we are being told, he is being told to go for the test. It's sensible, but for the vaccinated ones, honestly, it's waste of time, waste of resources. Thank you. Okay. All right, Bramoro. Thanks for that, uh, Dr. Bamford. I'm afraid I didn't hear the, the comments and questions um, very well. Um, let me let me uh, respond to the to the second call. I think there were there were two issues. So so the first issue is uh, why do uh, people who have been vaccinated um, still need to be tested? Um, so so I think the answer to that question is is that whilst um, vaccination uh, certainly uh, protects people from uh, it does reduce the chance of being infected with COVID and particularly protects people from developing a severe COVID. Uh, we do know that uh, people who are vaccinated 
I can still contract uh, COVID and can still uh, transmit uh, COVID to other people. Um, overall, though, we uh, are moving to, uh, we will move to a situation uh, where it is likely that uh, people will be required to test uh, less often. Uh, so we, uh, it will no longer be uh, necessary for um, people to uh, test if they have been to quarantine or to test uh, if they have been in contact with someone who has COVID, but they remain um, asymptomatic. So I don't foresee uh, a situation immediately where people who are vaccinated will never be uh, required to test. Uh, certainly if people want to travel, other countries uh, require uh, people entering their countries to uh, prove that they uh, are, do have a negative test. Um, however, it is likely uh, that we will uh, be seeing uh, fewer uh, situations and settings uh, where people will be uh, required to test uh, than we have in, in the past. And uh, the more people who are vaccinated and are immune, uh, the quicker we will be able to uh, move to, to such a situation. Uh, with regards to uh, vaccination by uh, general uh, practitioners, uh, this has been um, a, a, a challenge, both from the side of uh, the general practitioners uh, themselves. Uh, there have been some uh, issues with them being able to uh, register uh, their practices and uh, for us to identify um, an appropriate body that was prepared to uh, verify uh, the credentials of the general practitioners. Uh, there are also some uh, logistic issues around the number of doses uh, that uh, general practitioners uh, must uh, procure. The pack sizes um, are extremely uh, large. So, so there are there have been uh, challenges with uh, allowing general practitioners uh, to vaccinate. Uh, we have worked uh, very closely and successfully uh, with other parts of the private sector, uh, particularly pharmacies. Um, and as people know, uh, both insured and uninsured people can uh, go to many pharmacies um, and be vaccinated. Um, I didn't completely uh, hear the points made by the first caller, uh, but we would certainly agree that uh, both the COVID response and the vaccination program uh, do uh, require uh, government and not just the Department of Health, but many other departments, um, as well as the private sector and civil society uh, to work together. Uh, we have been uh, working with many uh, stakeholders uh, and we will continue uh, to strengthen our, that uh, collaboration, uh, both in terms of uh, ensuring a demand, uh, encouraging people to come forward to be vaccinated uh, and in ensuring that there is uh, adequate supply, that we have enough uh, facilities uh, and services to provide uh, vaccinations. Dr. Bamford, let's leave it there for this morning. So Leslie, Leslie Bamford is with the National Department of Health. She serves as the Acting Chief Director for Child Health. It certainly gives a picture of what the thinking 
in the department is around the current legislative frameworks, the state of the state of disaster, why that remains in place, and perhaps some of the reasonings uh, for why things like stadiums, big events have not yet uh, been opened up again, and the conversation around whether or not it is the rational thing to do right now i think that is certainly going to remain with us until uh, the state of disaster is 